A Wedding to End a War. It's been four years since the blood feud between the Bronwyns and McInerney started. Four years of sunken ships and loved ones lost. Four years of wounds both seen and unseen. Kira Bronwyn is no stranger to duty. As the first mate of a legendary pirate ship blessed by the sea god Lear, the heir apparent, an heir apparent to her clan, she would sail to the other world and back to keep her family safe. But when the council threatens banishment for her people, Kira is faced with a choice. She must either marry her father's alleged killer, the sea snake Ronan Mathenly, or curse her family to the deep. But in the seven isles of the Darrenus, secrets sleep just beneath the surface of the water. Her father's death is still shrouded in mystery, and Ronan, her childhood friend, the man she once loved, is hell-bent on proving his innocence. As enemies become friends and friends become suspects, Kira must wade through the waters of doubt to expose the truth, save her family, and restore her father's legacy. But Kira soon learns that there are ties thicker than blood, and there is more than one way to sacrifice a life. Entering the portal in three, two, one. Welcome to Through the Portal Podcast, your speculative fiction book club. Thank you so much for joining our Through the Portal Podcast. Today, we are interviewing Lena Amargo for her book, Daughter of the Deep. Before we get into that, we want to introduce Lena. So Lena is a fantasy author who's based out of New Jersey. She has written two books so far. The first one we're talking about today, which I have right here with me, if you're watching this on video, is Daughter of the Deep, which released in August 2020. And then her second book in the series, Sister of the Stars, just released in April 2021. Lena loves to tell human stories through a fantasy lens and having read about halfway through this book so far, that is definitely apparent in her writing. So we are so excited to have you here today, Lena. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited to be here. Um, I got really into listening to podcasts over the pandemic. So this is a new experience, but I'm really excited to dive in. (laughs) For those who are listening to the podcast, maybe for the first time, um, we are going to try to keep most of this podcast spoiler free. So we will be asking Lena all sorts of great questions about herself, about the book, but we're going to try to keep any spoilers contained to the end of the podcast. So if you haven't read the book, you should still listen to the interview because I'm sure she has a lot of amazing things to share with us. And then when we get to the end, we will let you know when we might veer into a little bit of a spoiler category. Um, Lena, just to kick us off, what inspired um, the idea for Daughter of the Deep? It was actually a short story competition online. Um, I was a part of a writing forum for a little while and they had a challenge every month to write a short story for a cash prize. It was summer, I was broke. So I decided to enter a competition and they had the criteria that it had to be about a blood feud and had to have a magical spring in it and had to be about seafaring people. And then my mind just went with it um and I wrote the short story I ended up winning that competition which was really exciting um but then I wasn't done with the characters I was just so in love with them and I had another project at the time that I totally put aside because I just needed to write more of these two of Kira and Ronan and now it's going to be a trilogy so (laughs) still not done this is a total follow-up question to that but 
what was this short story like yeah like reading this this world feels so expansive and big and there's so much going on I can't imagine like that condensed into a short story it was an extremely truncated version so it was basically just the two characters the wedding and then the immediate aftermath was sort of the last like third of the book truncated into like five paragraphs it was very rushed I felt and while it you know it served the purpose of a short story I was like there's so much more context that I want to give to this this dynamic and an expanded and you know timeline changed and then the rest just went from there that's amazing um what do you do to get inside your character's heads while you're writing oh um it depends for different characters so Kira book one is all Kira's perspective um and she's just very impulse driven um so I try to just write free association for her and let it happen and then see what happens for me emotionally in the moment um because book one especially she's really driven by her impulses and by that Mm -hmm. inner emotional anxiety spiral that if you read you know she says one thing out loud but her internal monologue is always very dense and just rambling um so she's always been easy to get into because it's just about being anxious for me (laughs) and letting (laughs) letting that happen um book two is not really a spoiler but book two Ronan gets a perspective and he's so much more calculating and um you know he has so many layers to who he is right it's the person he shows versus the internal versus even the parts of himself that he's not willing to address so while I love writing from his perspective I have to be in the headspace for it because he just takes a lot to get into and then book three actually Griffin gets a perspective as well and that's just fun that's just he he takes over he's always been the most vocal character in my head even when he doesn't get a perspective so that's been a joy to just sit down and let him take me take me where he wants to go and see how it shifts things. That is so exciting. He was one of my favorite characters reading through the book. Just like so much personality, so much loyalty and just like, I don't know, I love him. So finding that out makes me really excited for book three to come out. Um, I guess kind of in that same vein, what comes first for you? Is it the plot or is it the characters? Um, absolutely the characters. I think there are plot points that I try mm-hmm. to accomplish and I have an outline when I start out. Um, but if in the moment, you know, a character doesn't feel like making the decision that leads to that plot point, mm-hmm. I have shifted and rearranged my outlines and, you know, yeah. totally shifted the trajectory of the series so I have like overarching goals for all of them Mm -hmm. but it's really then how they interact with it that shifts the like moment to moment beats um so I would absolutely say character driven okay love that that makes sense wanting to like having like that passion to write human stories too like I feel like you sort of need to start with characters and who they are um in order to be able to do that um How has writing and publishing two books now, like, has that changed the way you see yourself at all? Um, Yes and no. I think that it gives 
me some external legitimacy where it's like, oh, I've got two published books. And, you know, that feels like an accomplishment for sure. But then my imposter syndrome kicks in really bad. And I'm like, so what? (laughs) That doesn't mean it's making book three any easier to write just because I have these two. If anything, it's more pressure now because I have expectations to fulfill. Um, And this is not my full-time work. So, you know, I'm still carving out time for it in the corners of my life you know? so it, it still feels you know I still feel like a fake sometimes but at the same time I love it and I'm really proud that I've gotten book one yeah. and two out there and hopefully book three and we'll see Absolutely. what happens from there I really hope such, you get book yeah. three. Oh, because <laughs> it sounds like something I'm gonna need to have to read oh yeah no, book I think two that's... ends on a cliffhanger so I've got a lot of people that have finished book two that are like um hey how's that going <laughs> any any day now because we need answers and I'm like I'm, I promise I'm working on it <laughs> no I can definitely relate to a lot of that I think that's what's fun about the fact that me and Alyssa are our authors trying to interview other authors with these is like I as someone who my book isn't out yet I think that imposter syndrome feeling of just like oh man you know like this isn't this isn't my job like what am I doing like I should focus on focus on all these other things in my life but I think it's really cool that I mean I guess it's not cool that you still feel that way after two books you shouldn't you're definitely an author and that's incredible and your book is phenomenal the one I've read I'm sure book two is phenomenal too I just haven't read it yet um (laughs) But I think it's it's interesting to hear you say that, like, even with all of that, you do still have those moments where you're like, well, we'll see what comes next. Every day. So if you're, if you, I don't know, if people are looking to self-publish or are in the process of traditionally publishing, um, you know, I can't speak on traditional publishing, but at least for me, it was like, okay, I published the book. I thought that would be the thing yep. that made me feel like a real author. And, you know, I still have all my books in a box, in a closet yep. waiting for people to buy them. I still have to go to work every day. Yep. So it's yep. exciting, but then, you know, it's also human to feel that. Yeah. And I'm wondering too, if maybe because like we're all in like the self indie author publishing space, um, it would be interesting to get the perspective of someone who's like traditionally published because we're not like chosen, you know, we make like our own way. Um, So I think like our confidence in ourselves and like our ability to self validate has to be like a lot stronger, maybe than someone who is traditionally published. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had a conversation with my husband actually and he was like I think it's awesome that you're self-publishing because you're not just an author then you're also a businesswoman and every time you're successful as an author that also means you're a successful businesswoman I was like oh that makes me feel really great because you know I am then doing an additional task but I think you're right that not having that external somebody picked me to be an author is challenging it has to be internally motivated yeah absolutely um, I guess kind of stay in this space, right, of like all of these kind of outside, I guess, pressures and like your internal journey as well. How do you process and deal with maybe like the negative side of it? So like a negative book review or even just 
I think we all know sometimes the little comments that well-meaning friends and family can make even where you're like, mm, thanks, thanks for that. How do you kind of handle that? Um, I would be entirely dishonest if I said it didn't affect me at all. Um, at first, negative reviews were really hard. Um, oh. And, you know, I internalized everything. So I would read a negative review and I'd be like, that's it. They're, they're right. I need to change this book entirely. It was so bad. How could I, how could I ever publish this? It was so bad. They're totally right. Um, and now I have sort of learned to compartmentalize for myself. I don't read my reviews that often unless somebody will like tag me in it. Um, I try not to look into it too deeply. Um, I recognize that the book's not going to be for everyone because I didn't write it for everyone. Um, and I'm trying to stay true to that I would also be lying if I said it didn't still come creep back up on me sometimes and you know especially when drafting um, I think it's harder now to draft knowing what people have said about the writing in book one and book two and trying to like learn from Mm -hmm. the reviews without then also neglecting my own vision and the story I want to tell so very difficult, but working on it. <laughs> it's a daily, yeah. daily process. Absolutely. I think I loved what you said just about like, didn't write it for everyone. Yeah. I think that's such a huge thing um, when you're writing. So I don't know. I admire that you that you're able to kind of do that, even if it is still a journey yeah. <laughs> that you're on. I think that's great that you, you put out a book into the world and you followed it up, you put out your second book into the world and you're still going with book three. I think that's really, really inspiring um, because it is, it's even just from like beta reading, you get negative feedback and you're yeah. like, uh, do I have to change my whole book? Is right. it garbage? Do I need yeah. to? <laughs> but it's not, I mean, your book is great. And for anyone who's listening to this, who's already read it, who's excited for kind of our end of months to share their thoughts. I know I'm really glad that I got to read it. So I'm glad that you kind of stuck with it and ignored or not ignored, learned from and grew from some of the negative, but kept going. Well, thank you. And on that note, I feel like the positivity around it too Mm -hmm. makes it so much easier to swallow the bad, right? Um, yes, there are going to be people that vehemently do not like what I have to say and what my characters have to say. But then there have been even more people. I've been lucky enough that I've had a lot of people reach out to me just to tell me that something I said meant to them, meant something to them, or that they really resonate with the character or this plot. And that is so much more validating than anything else. And that that reader interaction is the best part. So you know, absolutely makes it easier to handle the negative and, and to move through that. Definitely. All right, we're going to move into our lightning round section. So I have a few questions for you and just try to answer them as quickly as possible. Okay. Without saying. <laughs> yep. First question, how long have you been writing and when did you start? Um, started writing when I was a kid, but I took it seriously in college. So about four or five years. What advice would you give to a writer working on their first book? Just write it, worry about whether it's good or not later. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Um, Which of the characters do you relate to the most? 
Oh, um, relate to Griffin in the way that he handles things. Um, yeah. I also use humor as a deflection a lot, um, and I like that. But as far as who I see myself in most, Reina, because I'm not the big adventurer. I'm absolutely the introvert who kind of just watches on the sidelines with encouragement. So totally a side note I love her character right yeah. now like she's so like she's quiet but she's so strong um and it's like a really fun combo to see in a character <laughs> yeah I have a lot of really quiet but strong women in my life and I wanted yeah. that represented um mm. because obviously we've got Kira who is badass in the sense that she will <laughs> slice you up and <laughs> tell you how bad you are if you give her the chance, but I wanted that sort of quiet strength to be yeah. at the forefront because awesome. that's what the women in my life look like. That's so awesome. Okay, how many books have you written and which is your favorite? Written two, um, Sister of the Stars took a lot more out of me, but I'm prouder of it Okay, because of that. Nice. So what you're saying How is long? I need to go buy that as soon as we hop off. <laughs> Get it. Instant. Um, how long did it take you to write Daughter of the Deep? And then how long did it take you to write Sister of the Stars? Daughter of the Deep took two years start to finish from development to publication. Um, so it's probably like a year and a half to actually write it. And then Sister of the Stars, I think I wrote it in like a fever dream and like seven months and then it took twice as long to edit so <laughs> okay um would you and your main character get along I think so I think so I think that I'd be able to calm her down a little bit um but I would also recognize her as like the introvert awkward person she is underneath all of mm -hmm. the anger um and I think that we'd be like the kind of friends that just like did errands together or just like mm. chilled, like we wouldn't want to do anything. We probably wouldn't talk very much, but we could just coexist comfortably. <laughs> Perfect roommate situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you more of a plotter or a pantser? Um, I try to be more of a plotter because I need structure in my life, but um, I will shift and readjust if a whim feels right. What music do you play, if any, while you're writing? Oh my gosh, it's so much. I, my playlist is ridiculous. It verges from like classical to like heavy metal to like K-pop back to theater and it, it goes everywhere. Um, so if <laughs> it depends on the day, if I'm trying to get into a character's head, it tends to be more like lyric based because that helps me, you know, relate to what they might be feeling. But if I'm trying to like set a scene or if I need something cinematic, I'll go more for like classical or theatrical to just get me in that headspace. If you could meet your characters, what would you say to them? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was my answer sorry. too. <laughs> Especially book two, really sorry guys. <laughs> Um, okay, this is the last one. Who has been the biggest supporter of your writing? Um, I, my husband and my sister are in competition for that. Um, my husband is not a reader, so I don't think he's actually read my work, but he's so supportive on the more emotional front and the encouragement. Um, whereas my sister is the first person to read anything I write. 
Um, and that's been the case since I was like 12. And she is so encouraging and always gives me that good reader feedback. So the two of them go hand in hand. She helps me more on the creative side and then he's there for the encouragement afterward. That's awesome. I love that you have kind of a team in a yeah. way. Come oh, <laughs> and that's before I even like acknowledge all of the editors and oh, yeah. you know, friends that I've met even through Instagram that have supported it. So I have been really touched by all of the encouragement I received. And again, that's some of the imposter syndrome. It's like, what did I do to deserve this? But I do try to give back as much as I get. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm absolutely encouraged by a lot of people. And it is a team. It's a collaboration. Self-publishing really means like publishing with this whole group of people that have just yeah. invested in you. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, that's the end of our lightning round. Um, I am kind of curious, just because you write all these like really human-centered, fantastical kind of like realm, what kind of books do you like reading and what kind of books did you grow up reading? Oh, I mean, I, I have difficulty straying outside of fantasy for my reading. Um, I think that it's just always been such an escape for me that I love human stories, but you know, I, I work as a therapist during the day. I need a break from reality a lot. I want to dive into a world that is entirely unlike my own, but then relate to characters that are like me, if that makes sense. Um, so recent reads I really enjoyed. I liked Kingdom of the Wicked. Um, by Carrie, I'm going to butcher her name, Manesco, something of that <laughs> effect. Really great book. I just don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, I love anything Lee Bardugo writes just because I think her world building and her characters are so flawed and therefore so delicious. Um, and then I grew up uh, with Tolkien and Harry Potter and um, a bunch of like fantasy princess books and um, East by Edith Pateau really was a cornerstone for me that I have a paperback that is just so torn apart because I reread it so many times as a kid um so I've, I've always been in entrenched in, in fantasy I had like a little stint in high school where all I read was like Sarah Dessen and John Green because I was angsty for a little bit but I always see, come yeah. back <laughs> to fantasy as the as the home base awesome that's cool i know um for like me when i was writing perilous star there's like a few books that i can think of that like i have like distinct echoes of in my own writing are there any books like that for you oh i'm sure there are (laughs) it's hard to identify um i think it's more like stories not necessarily books that mm. I see echoed. Um, I grew up and I used to watch like Peter Pan every day until I was like six years old. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I joke with my family that, you know, I thought I was going to be one of like the Lost Boys, but then I wrote a story about pirates. So I guess I really am a grown up. <laughs> um, but al- absolutely elements of that, um, elements of like Pirates of the Caribbean and then Ooh. you know Narnia those were all like movies and worlds that I really loved as a kid and that like I absolutely see in the way I world build mm. interesting all right well we have reached 
kind of our spoiler section of the podcast. So from here on out, feel free to talk about anything in detail. If you're listening or watching and you haven't finished the book yet, you might want to be careful um, from here. You might want to pause and come back to this after you finish. So Alyssa, good luck okay. to you. Um, going to have to suck it up and deal with it. <laughs> um, but I'm really curious, what's a significant way that your book changed since the first draft? Um, I think just the other characters. Again, the, the first draft was you know, I think limited in the fact that I didn't know that I was going to write book two and three yet. Um, So the plot, you know, the big twist at the end with who the killer really is, that has been the case since the very first short story. Um, But then how sort of the other antagonists come into play Mm -hmm. um, shifted, like Connor's involvement and his overarching stuff that really comes in book two, book three. Um, who motivates all of this. So the series villain is obviously not the same as book one villain because, you know, book one yep. villain meets his timely, timely yep. demise. Um, so I think those larger plot lines absolutely were clarified in, you know, my edits. Yeah. Because by that point I had started at least outlining book two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew what I needed the other characters to do, not just Kira and Ronan. Um, and then on that note, now I'm remembering, originally um, Ronan, I, I don't, how spoiler am I allowed to get? Am I allowed do to it. go full on? Throw it out um, there. Originally, spoiler. Ronan was supposed to stay dead. And really? there was a really long period of time where I, I sat and contemplated what was best from that. I had beta readers who thought that him resurrecting was appropriate and that it was handled well. And then I had a couple that were like, we don't love resurrection arcs. You know, maybe <laughs> he needs to stay dead. And I, you know, if I didn't have two and three, and if I didn't already dive into what I wanted the larger world to look like, mm-hmm he might have stayed dead and I, that makes me really sad because he's my favorite um, <laughs> so that absolutely changed and you know I put a lot of work into handling it in a way that even though he comes back there are still consequences yep and um, that becomes really clear book two which I will say as a reader I was like oh great so he's so we're not this isn't what I thought it was going to be because one obviously when like the big exchange happens I was like oh cool and everything's gonna be put back to rights and then it wasn't like not completely and I was like and then obviously the exile happens and everything and I was like this just got a lot more complicated yeah and then you know Kira Kira's mark as well is really the impetus for book two so they're both then you know, surviving at the end, yep. but on borrowed time yep. and with a whole lot of trauma <laughs> to deal with. So much. Yeah. I sometimes feel bad for like being a reader and a writer, like knowing the trauma that you have to put your characters through, like as an author, but then like how weird it feels as a reader. It's like an interesting experience. Yeah. I I feel it. I, I totally agree. And then I have like a whole other layer of I'm a therapist who works specifically mm. with couples and trauma. 
Um, that's one of my like areas of research. <laughs> so here I am like helping couples deal with their trauma in real life. And then I come home and I'm like, okay, so how am I going to mess up these people in my book today? So I feel like, is this some weird way for me to enact? <laughs> like, it's like a cathartic thing. <laughs> yeah. It ha- so, I mean, absolutely. But at the same time, like, I feel extra guilty. I'm like, shouldn't I be more concerned about you? Shouldn't I be helping you? I don't know. <laughs> um, what part of your book was the hardest for you to write? I mean, kind of talking about trauma and stuff, if there was oh, any. Um, book one has a lot of like, so talking about trauma, Kira really starts from that place of grief and trauma too, right? She's still mm-hmm. dealing with her father's death um, and she really hasn't given herself the space to deal with it. Um, and I think there are a lot of fights and arguments that happen between her and Ronan where it's not necessarily about what he's doing and his behavior it's more just the fact that she's still stuck in that place of hurt and she can't get past it and it's so frustrating and I know readers are like so frustrated with it and they're like Kira what is your problem why are you doing this to him like he's obviously trying to be nice to you but it's, you know, I wanted to be true to the fact that sometimes when you're hurt, it doesn't yeah. matter what the other person is bringing to the table if you're not ready to heal from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that those are those are always really hard moments to write. And Ronan does it too, but not as much. He kind of just like suppresses it all and yeah. keeps moving and then it catches up with him big time later. Um, but so those were always really difficult moments to write because you just want them to kiss and make up and you just want Kira to not screw it up more for herself but I didn't feel like that'd be a realistic way to represent her journey through her grief yeah I was so frustrated so frustrated (laughs) but it was yeah it it made sense like it I was reading and I was like yeah I I I felt her pain reading it yeah and you know like that's that's the thing too I'm not afraid to let my characters be frustrating especially my female characters because I think that's realistic um and I sort of one of my personal hang-ups is when characters and other books will go through a lot of trauma um will have these awful terrible experiences and then like you know they've got that the, the princess mentality they're like but we're going to grin and bear it and everything's going to be rainbows because I'm strong enough to deal with this trauma yay me and like while that has a, a valid place and I know some people need to like tap into that survivor yeah. space in order to even cope that's not true for who I am and that's not true for a lot yeah. of people and I wanted I wanted her to be frustrating and sort of abrasive sometimes and let that pain be real yeah yeah I think you did a really good job of that because that that's one of the things that me as a reader like halfway through this book like I find myself totally torn with being like frustrated with Kira but I think you do a really really good job of like bringing it back and in her internal monologue of like she like can't let go of pain and Mm -hmm. um, that's like I think you just did a really, really good job of balancing those elements in her character. Yep. Thank you. And if it's not successful for some people, that's okay. Yeah, um, exactly. But I, I needed to write that for for me and for mm. other people that 
also get in their own way when they're hurt and angry. Yeah. If you were going to write a spinoff about any of your kind of side characters, who would you pick? Oof. So I, I would have said Griffin, but now I think I'm writing his spinoff into the main series because yep. he just always demands attention and I couldn't <laughs> ignore his plot line any longer. Um, but I, so Reagan too, I feel like I would want yes. to just see what would happen if I let her just do whatever she wanted and go wherever she wanted. And it would probably be like more of like a cute fluff piece. But then again, mm-hmm. she has a big arc in book three. So she, she grows a lot too, but I would love okay. to see her. Um, and then book two characters, there are a couple of them that are introduced that, you know, I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but keep your eyes out for VN. He is Ooh. so wonderfully weird. Okay. Um, he's just so strange. And whenever I write him, I'm just like, who are you, you weirdo? Um, so I would love to see what he would do in a spinoff because I feel like he yeah. would be absolutely bizarre and so much fun. I love that. Are there any, um, I know we have to wrap up this really quick, like pretty soon here, but there's one more question that I want to ask. Um, are there any risks that you took in your writing that you feel like really paid off? Yeah, that's good. Ooh, um, hmm. I think, I, I think Kira is a risky main character in the sense that she fits the mold of that like kick-ass female heroine that a lot of people can relate to but she's really flawed um and she recognizes a lot of her flaws and then still can't change them um and you know she is she is abrasive in a lot of ways like she's not always palatable and I know that that I think is a risk that for a lot of people turn them off from the book right if they can't really connect and identify with her it's hard to get into it but I also think then that it gave a voice to other people that have difficulty connecting with that perfect yeah. um, main character and yeah. I I always can't connect to like self-inserts um, yeah. you know where the main character has no agency or no personality or no voice Kira is a mess and a half, but that's why I love her. And I think yeah. that for a lot of people that did resonate. So I hope, or at least I hope it does. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then one last question we have for you. Um, what is a fact about you that readers don't know yet? Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty open on social media, <laughs> probably too open. Um, <laughs> fact about me I hmm, I feel like I'm in like first grade and I'm like think of a fun fact when you're introducing yourself I know. I Hard. um fact about me I have to at least in my writing process I have to write out all the dialogue before I can get into any description um wow. and that often looks like me just having conversations with myself um <laughs> So if you think that you look weird writing, just know that I probably look weirder. Just talking to myself. <laughs> All right. Well, Lena, thank you so much. Like so, so much for joining us. Um, 
it's been really great to talk to you. I think you had so much to say about, and it's what you promised us. You said you like to talk about people and journeys, but I really appreciate how transparent you've been about yourself and your journey, as well as helping us kind of see into your characters' minds and explore their journeys too. Um, so thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, hopefully it's been a good experience for you. I don't know, but it's been great for us to get to talk to you about your book. This was so much fun. I love talking about my characters. If you can't tell, you know, it's, it's harder to get me to shut up about them. Um, so I just appreciate the opportunity. This has been so much fun and I can't wait to hear where you guys go with the series. Cause I think it's such a, a niche that needs representation and needs voices yep um so for those who maybe haven't read your book yet where can they find your books um daughter of the deep is pretty much everywhere right now it's on mm -hmm. amazon it's in barnes and nobles target walmart book depository for international um fans nice. um i do sell signed copies through my website um okay. us only right now and sister of the stars i think is everywhere the hardcover of that book comes out july 3rd okay so that should be up and about shortly um oh. and the hardcovers both have bonus chapters if anybody is looking for more contact book content book one bonus chapter is from griffin's point of view and then Ooh. book two bonus chapters from finna's point of view Ooh. so Get, get a little behind the scenes, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, everybody who has listened. Um, come back at the end of this month where we will be sharing not just me and Alyssa's thoughts, but also your thoughts as readers about Lena's book. So we're super excited to hear what you have to say. You can send that to us via social media, um, our website, or via email. You can send video clips, audio clips, or just shoot us a note about what you thought but lena thank you again for joining us and thank you everybody for listening and that is i think all that we have yeah don't forget to rate review this podcast too yes because we would like that we'd appreciate Absolutely. that a lot <laughs> all right well i guess that is goodbye